written from the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make every crooked path straight. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. We are continuing with our theme, Back to Basics. This will be the second part of the 14th in the series. In our last broadcast, we tried to reiterate the issues of dead works. That dead works are anything, any activities that we engage in that God did not initiate, that God did not inspire, that God is not implementing. Dead works are anything that lacks the presence and the life of God. In our last broadcast, we began to look at the first part of answering the question, why do Christians engage in dead works? We noted that, number one, it is because they are mindful or concerned for the things of the flesh rather than the things of God. That is, they are carnal. There's carnality involved. When people trump up their denomination, their pastor, what they are doing, there's a lot of pride and boasting in the things that supposed Christians are doing. We said, secondly, that some people think that what they are doing is right. Meanwhile, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way leads to destruction. So it is not about what we think is right, but what God says is right. And so if I'm not listening to God and I'm doing things that I think are right, I'm going to be engaging in dead works. And a lot of Christians are doing that. Thirdly, they are being directed by the lusts inside of them. That's why the Bible says that we should crucify the flesh along with its affections, passions, and lusts. Until we do that, we're going to engage in dead works because the lust of the flesh is solidly there. The only thing that can happen when temptation comes is that it will draw that lust. And in drawing that lust, sin will come in and many other things will take place. And so we engage in dead works. We also said that Christians engage in dead works because they are not walking according to the Spirit of God. The Bible says if ye be led by the Spirit of God, you will not engage in the lusts of the flesh. And so, because they are not being led by the Spirit of God, they cannot but engage in their work. Because everything they will do will be contrary to God. It will be contrary to the directing of the Spirit of God. Also, we said that it is because a lot of people want to look good in public. They want to look good before men. The Bible tells us of the Pharisees and the scribes. It says all they do, they do for show, so that men can see that they are doing it. The Lord Jesus spoke about when we are given, that we should not let the right hand know what the left is doing. It says we should not be like hypocrites who do those things for show. They want to give so that people in public can see them. And so there are so many things that we are doing that are actually dead works. When you give something, you don't have to announce it. You don't have to tell anybody that you are giving it. So we must make up our minds that we are not going to pander to public opinion. But rather, we are going to be more interested in what God is asking us to do. Sixthly, we said that Christians engage in dead works because they have not yet been sanctified. Now, when we don't yield to the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work, we are going to engage in dead works. And sanctification is about getting us to be obedient to the word of God. So after we are born again, the Holy Spirit now comes in and begins to sanctify us. But he is not going to force himself on us. Then we closed with this. We said a lot of people engage in dead works because they don't ask God for direction before doing anything. And they just want to do it. They think it's good. It tallies with Proverbs 16, 25, where they do what they think is right in their own sight. So a lot of people don't sit down to ask before they do things. And it constitutes dead works. So we'll take off from there today. The eighth point. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14, verse 17. The Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith 
is built up when we hear the word of God and we act accordingly. The Bible tells us also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So what does that mean? It means that we don't walk based on our senses, what we think or what we feel. We walk basically based on what God is saying. So Christians will engage in dead works when they are not living by faith. If you are unable to hear God, then how am I exercising faith? Faith is based on God and his word. What has God said? And the word of God must tally with the scriptures. You cannot bring up a word and say, God told me when it is not manifest in the scriptures. And there are people who are in the habit of saying, thus says the Lord, thus says the Lord. Whereas they are not even able to have that relationship with God based on their lifestyle. So you wonder, how is God telling them anything? That is why a lot of the things that such people are doing amount to dead works. They will be surprised when they stand before the Lord. He will tell them, I never knew you. You did what was unauthorized. If we cannot live by faith, we are going to engage in dead works. Point number nine, back to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. When we do things that seem right to us, we are going to end up in hell. So a lot of Christians engage in dead works because they prefer their way to God's way. A lot of times, and this is the truth. The way of God does not seem right to a man. It can never be right to the carnal mind. And so if you are operating carnally, the way of God will never seem right to you. Imagine the Lord saying, let's go over to the other side. This was in Mark chapter 4. And no sooner than they move in the boat, a storm arises. If you don't follow God, if you don't hear that God said, I say go to the other side, you will turn that boat around and you will return to base and you'll never go. So, the way of God doesn't seem right sometimes. If I'm more often than not, it doesn't seem right. And so a lot of people think that their own way is right. But the moment you start preferring your way to the way of God, whatever you are doing is dead works. When God says to you, go to a village to pitch your tent, and you say, ah, the village people are poor. How am I going to take care of my family? And then you go to a city. Whatever you are doing in that city is considered dead works. Or souls may be one. Those souls are between themselves and God. But you... It doesn't count. The Bible tells us, I think in Psalm 103 or so, it said the children of Israel saw the works of God, but Moses knew the way of God. It's time for us to get into knowing the way of God. How is it that God wants us to do this thing? What is the way of God on a particular matter? This penchant that we have for copying what we are seeing of others is wrong. That's what the Bible means when it says, but they comparing themselves by themselves are not wise. You don't go and pick something from somewhere and apply just because you think it is church. Did God ask you to do that? Just follow God. You may be the only one doing it as long as it is God that told you to do it. And you have to know that it is God telling you to do it because you have built relationship with God. So I really don't know why we want to get to do things before we even get to know God. In Mark chapter 3, 14 and 15, I believe it is, when the Lord Jesus chose the 12, the Bible says he called them to himself. They came to him and he chose them that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and give them power to cast out demons. Look at the order that they might be with him. Number one, then he will send them and then he will empower them. But once we become born again, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to cast out demons. That's why there are so many deliverance ministries everywhere. We want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to follow the proper order. We need to stop that because it is dead works. 
I see a lot of people who are starting churches and you look at them, you know that these ones have not even gone through the grind. And after a short while of small testing, you see them running to one herbalist or the other, trying to get power. Many of us don't understand that the power of God is subtle, very subtle. But once it is on the ground, it is manifest. We think the power of God is one big bomb explosion. Bah! No, the power of God can be so quiet, so still. When God was speaking to Elijah in the cave, Elijah saw the cave renting, strong winds were blowing everywhere. The place was shaking, stones, rocks, everything scattering. The Bible says God was not there. Fire came around everywhere. Was God wasn't there. Then he heard a still small voice and that was God. That still small voice is the power of God. Where God is, there is power. The Bible says where the king is, there is power. Wherever God is present, there is power. It's not until we are shouting and screaming and jumping before we know that there is power. Even in the quietness of speech, there is power. I can't imagine the president of a nation shouting to give instruction. He just has to say it. The people know that they will carry out the order. It is the same here. There is a way that seems right to man, but that way leads to death. And let's not follow it. Let's stop preferring our way of doing things to the way of God. Let us seek out the way of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 13, the Bible tells us the purpose for which pastors, apostles, and so on and so forth are ordained in the church of God. And he himself, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A lot of people have not been taught the word of God. And because they have not been taught the word of God, and all they are doing is just attending church, everything they are doing is contrary to the word of God, and they don't even know it. And it is dead works. You have to be taught. Remember what we said at the beginning, that the Lord Jesus Christ called them that they might be with him, to know him. God said in Jeremiah chapter 9, don't boast in your wealth. Don't boast in your might. Don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your power. If you are going to boast, boast in this, that you know me. That you know the things that I delight in. That I am a God who loves justice. But many of us don't know God. And we want to serve God. That is the one that is very interesting. How people will jump and say they have started a church. And you don't know the God that you say you are starting that church for. In Acts chapter 2 verse 41 to 42. You will see what happened after souls first came to the Lord. The very first time they came. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They continued. They kept going for teachings. They kept being taught. They kept having fellowship with the brethren about the Lord Jesus Christ, about his finished work at Calvary, and about what we must do when children are born into homes, except that home is an irresponsible home, they usually will tell the child, this is how we behave in this home. This is how we do things. The mother spends time raising that child up. The father comes in to discipline the child. That is what doctrinal teachings do. 
That is what we ought to be doing actually in our churches. To be teaching them the doctrines. When we say the doctrine of the apostles, we are talking of the apostles' doctrine. Is the doctrine of Christ as taught by the apostles. So we need to be teaching the doctrines of Christ, the teachings of Christ, the lifestyle of Christ. What is it that the Lord Jesus Christ did or did not do? People need to be taught. It is in the place of fellowship that we learn these things. We learn it theoretically. We also learn it practically. When you go to church and you return in the course of the week and you go to work or go and do your business, you encounter challenges. By the time you return, you ask questions. I face this challenge. I face that. You will be taught how you are to handle it based on the word of God. But a lot of things we are handling based on sense. We walk not by sense, but by faith. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. When we gather, what are we doing? We don't discuss scripture. Look at the day approaching. Why is there so much fear in the land? Because people have not stilled themselves in the Lord. Our churches have failed. We've busied ourselves talking about money, talking about power, talking about this and that. We never taught the people about God. We never taught the people that in Christ there is safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth in and is safe. We never taught them that. We taught them things. That had no bearing with God. And when you teach people those, those people will be afraid. All that comes from teachings that are contrary to the word of God is fear. The word of God always builds faith. And the opposite of faith is fear. And so there's so much fear. Why? Because we refused to teach people the word of God. In John chapter 8 verse 31 and 32. I saw some people had said that they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, they had been born again, as it were, in a figurative sense. You believe, you repented, so now you are born again. So he now says to them, if you abide in my word, to see the word as the one thing that you need to survive, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. The basis of being a disciple is that you are abiding in the word of God. If you keep following it, if you keep reading it, you keep studying it, you keep hearing the word, you keep doing the word. He says, you are my disciples indeed. And look at verse 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. How do you know the truth? Because you are abiding in the word. You can't know the truth any other way. And it is the truth that makes you free. Let's go back to the word of God and we will begin to see good works being manifest in our lives. We engage in dead works, largely because we're not being taught the word of God. We're not living by the word of God. We're not doing anything that the word of God is asking us to do. Brings me to point number 11. In James chapter 2, reading from verse 14 through to 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, 
that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. A lot of people have been fooled by a strange doctrine that once you are born again, you are under grace. Forgetting that the Bible asks the question, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid! When you are born again, you show the works of faith. You don't need works to be saved. You need faith to be saved. But after you have been saved, you need works to prove your salvation. Abraham proved his faith by his work. When God told him to go and offer Isaac, he went. When you read Joshua chapter 2, you will hear what Rahab said to the spies. She said, we have heard the things that your God did on the way when you came out of Egypt. And even now, when we saw you crossing, we have seen that your God indeed has given you this city. So promise me one thing, that when you come to take over this city, you will save me and my family. Do you see an unbeliever having faith based on what she heard and what she has seen with her own eyes? She's saying, God has given them our land. And then she now says, please save me. The Bible says that even demons believe there is one God and they tremble. We don't even tremble. So where is our faith in God? Some people think that all there is to being a Christian is to say some prayer aloud. Father, in the name of Jesus, I believe that you have saved my soul. I thank you, God. Oh, thank you. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. That is not it. Where then are the works of that faith? If I believe that Jesus is my Savior and I've made that confession, then I must live in a way that manifests that. If my prayer is that Jesus is Lord, do you know what a Lord means? A Lord is someone you never argue with a Lord. There are many things that democracy has made us to lose touch with. We have stigmatized what our elders in the village used to do. The elders were the be-all and everything in the village. What they said was law. But democracy has come. Now we mock our elders and we are transferring it onto God. If Jesus is Lord, then you cannot do anything contrary to what a Lord has said. A Lord is the law. So if you say that Jesus is your Lord, then serve him and do what he says you should do. Not by any other thing, but by the works of faith. In Titus chapter 3, I'm going to verse 5, but I'll just read from verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. Remind them, and I'm reminding you, be subject to authority. Be subject to your president. Be subject to your governor. Be subject to your local government chairman or mayor or whatever he's called. Be subject to civil authority. In verse 2, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, and we're hateful and hating one another. That's what we were. We're not supposed to be that again. We used to be. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of the regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we were saved, not by works of righteousness, but by faith. However, after being saved, it is the works of righteousness that we engage in that enables us. Obedience to civil authority is the work of righteousness. So anybody who is disobeying civil authority as we speak is engaging in dead works. First Peter 2 from verse 13, it says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Civil leaders are God's ministers for us. Even those of us who say we are Christians, they are God's ministers to us, to discipline us. And our obedience to God is obedience to them. It is when they now come and tell us to do something that is a sin, clearly a sin, we can act contrary. However, we are not permitted to avoid the punishment or the consequence of our refusal to obey them. If indeed our disobedience to civil authority is because God sanctions us to disobey, as in the case of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then God will rescue us. And if he doesn't rescue us, so what? Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified. So many of the apostles, early apostles, were martyred because they obeyed God rather than men. But God received them. What many of us want is we don't want to obey anybody. We actually don't want to obey God. Then we disobey civil authority and say God is able. We don't see the fact that we are doing what is wrong. We need to change, brethren. Otherwise, our actions is tantamount to dead works. Finally, number 12. We've read Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23 before. Where the Lord Jesus said, Not all those who say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father which is in heaven. He said, many will come to me in that day and say, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we did signs and wonders or great works in your name. So then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You who did what was not authorized. You who acted lawlessly. You who acted out of iniquity. Say, I never knew you. A lot of people have not checked their motives for what they are doing. If your motive is not born out of love, and obedience to God. Whatever it is that you did counts for dead works. That was the problem of the church in Ephesus. In Revelation chapter 2, from verse 1 to I think verse 6 or so, where the Lord commended what they were doing. He said, I've seen your works, your labor, and so and so, all those things that you're doing, works of faith and this and this and that. However, you have forsaken or abandoned your first love. We have only one love as Christians. He's the only one who died for us. He's our only love. Satan doesn't love us. As much as our pastors may claim to love us, they cannot love us the way God loved us and died for us. As much as our husbands or wives may love us, we've not seen that one where they died for us. Only Christ did it. So they abandoned their first love and everything they did accounted for dead works. And the Lord said to them, unless you repent, I will come quickly and take out your lampstand from its place so that there'll be darkness in that place, in the church and in the city where they're supposed to be sitting over. In Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11, we won't read it. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They had a piece of land to sell. They went and sold it. Let's give a value. Say 10 million naira. They sold it for 10 million naira. When it was time to give it to the church, they decided they were going to give 5 million. And that's a fair, I mean, it's nothing wrong. It's your land, it's your property. You sell it for 10 million. You want to give the church 5 million. That's okay. But it appears 
that when you read some verses before you get to chapter 5, verse 1, the latter part of Acts chapter 4, the Bible talks about a fellow called Barnabas, son of consolation, who sold everything and gave to the church. So Ananias and Sapphira, I don't know, we don't know what their motive was, but it wasn't a good motive. It was wrong. Maybe they wanted to be given the same accolade, the same praise as Barnabas was given. Or maybe they wanted to show that they too can do something like that. But they lied. So Ananias took five million to the apostles. It wasn't a big deal. Then they asked him, oh, is this the total money? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, that's everything I brought. Everything I brought. Peter said, Ananias, how has Satan deceived you to lie? Don't you know that you're lying to the Holy Spirit? Why do you do such a thing? You're going to drop that. The money was yours. The property was yours. This, the value of the property that you sold was your, everything was yours. It was in your power to give whatever you want to give. If you are chosen to give five million, I say, and actually, is that everything you should have said? It's only 50%, sir. I kept back half because we, we want to use it for something to buy another property. And oh, God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, let's rejoice with uh, brother Ananias. But no, you didn't do that. And the man died. Then his wife comes in three hours later and they ask the wife the same question. By the way, Sister Sapphira, was it five million you put sold that property for? He said, oh, yes, yes, Apostle. Said, Why did you conspire with your husband to lie to the Holy Spirit? The men who carried your husband out, they are coming and they are going to take your body out also. And then hearing that, she dropped dead and that was it. Why do we feel the need to lie? Why are our motives wrong? So when the motive for doing the work of God is wrong. Whatever we are doing is dead works. If we do not take cognizance of doing the will of God is dead works. Anything we do, no matter how brilliant it may seem to be, no matter how much accolade men may want to give to us, as long as it is not the will of God, it is dead works. This is a very important thing. Because a lot of people think that once I do it, God will accept it. God doesn't accept anything you do. God only accepts what? He asked you to do. Can you imagine Moses going to build a tabernacle for God? When God has showed him on the mount how the tabernacle was going to be dimensions, materials, everything. And God kept reminding him, see that you build this thing according to the pattern I showed you. Somebody might have said to Moses, why are we using wood and overlaying with gold? Let's use pure gold. Forgetting that those things were going to be carried by human beings. You think God does not know what he's saying? Do you think that you have more understanding than God on the things he wants to do? So let's just run through this. Christians engage in their dogs because they are mindful and concerned for the things of the flesh. They think that their way is right. They think that the way they are doing things is the right way. They are being directed by the lusts that is in them. They are being led by the flesh or the old sinful nature. They want to look good before men. They have not been sanctified. They don't ask God for direction before doing whatever it is that they are doing. They are not living by faith. They prefer their ways to God's ways. They prefer their way of doing things to God's ways because God's ways doesn't seem right to them. They have not been taught the word of God, the doctrines of Christ. Then a lot of people just think that salvation is about going to pray a prayer and then I say I'm born again and that's the end. No, there must be works of faith. The work of faith must be there. And finally we said, when your motive is wrong, everything you are doing is dead. When what you are doing is not based, is not motivated to doing the will of God, to doing the desire of God, it is dead works. Let's conclude. The way out of dead works is repentance. And we've said that repentance implies that we realize and acknowledge that we have been engaging in dead works. 
And then we confess before God and say, Lord, we have been doing something wrong. We want to start doing what is right now. That is what repentance is about. So repentance from dead works is realizing and acknowledging that what we are doing is wrong. That's why we went through all this to talk about what dead works are, instances of dead works, and to look at why we're engaging in dead works. And then we can sit down and say, come to think of it, this is exactly what we've been doing. And then we can now go to God and repent and say, Lord, now I realize that this work of pastor I've been doing is dead works. Now I realize that this church I set up was not from you. Now I realize that this ministry that I've started is not of you. Lord, forgive me. I disband this ministry. Let it go. Speak to me, Lord. What would you have me to do? It will require that we will change and we will begin to do good works henceforth. It will require that we are sanctified, sanctified unto obedience. The flesh crucified, its passions crucified. We are brought to the place where we grow in God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 7, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, is inspired by God. Scripture is inspired by God. Remember, we said initiated, inspired, and implemented by God. It's inspired by God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what scripture does. It equips us. And the Holy Spirit, through sanctification, equips us unto every good work. God wants us to do good works. I think it's in Haggai chapter 2, where the Lord asked Haggai, to go and ask the priests that if a man has holy garments on and he puts meat in that holy garment, will the meat become holy? He said no. He said so if a man is defiled by reason of a dead body, somebody just dropped dead in presence and is defiled, if he touches a holy thing, will the holy thing make him to be holy? They said no. He will defile the holy thing. And God said to Haggai, tell them that they and the entire nation has been defiled. And everything that they touch is defiled. Why? Because they are defiled. We must get out of their doors because once you are defiled, once you are not sanctified, whatever you touch is dead works. Whatever you touch is soiled, is defiled. That's one of the reasons why you just don't go and let somebody lay hands on you. Beloved, let's ponder on these things. Let's go inwards. Let's talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, I didn't know that I've been engaging in dead works all this while. Have mercy on me. Show me your way. Open my eyes. Open my understanding. Help me to begin today to start engaging in good works. Forgive me of the past. Wash it away. Bring me into a new day, a new dawn. And help me to walk with you.